Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Monday. Um, public transport. Uh, is that going to be the answer when nobody can afford the congestion charges, uh, starting with Auckland and then obviously coming to a busy city near you? Um, are we a bit over sport? Is sport done? Um, in the wake of, you know, the Podmore inquiry and, you know, so many inquiries into culture and that sort of thing. Um, and, but first, we, we're going to talk about um, emissions um, because that's what the government wants to talk about and spend a bit of time talking about yesterday. Uh, the latest, the biggest announcement really in this is a $569 million announcement to pay low-income families earning below around about $90,000 a year to scrap their dirty cars and buy new EVs and hybrids instead. How much to scrap a car? No idea. How many cars to be scrapped? No idea. They're doing a trial before they decide what to do. Now, even Boris Johnson, who, by the way, sits on the other side of the political spectrum, is doing more than James Shaw by banning fossil fuel cars by 2030. That is also not in James's plan, by the way, banning fossil fuel cars. It's a proposal to maybe do that, but no decision yet. Now, to be frank, Climate change is just not high on my on my list of personal priorities. I'm not a climate denier. I just don't actually care all that much. So I'm not totally unhappy about this announcement today and the lack of detail because I feel like I've dodged a cost bullet yet again. But I do wonder what the heck they've been up to if it's taken them this long to pull together a plan that has absolutely no plan in it at all. So this is another one of these announcement announcements. Like, well, there's going to be well, – stay tuned for some more announcements – which um, this government seems to have become pretty famous for. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what does Alan think? You know, Alan. Uh, I think the golden goose sitting in front of them should have been to keep the uh, half-price uh, public transport and roll that out for a three-year period at least. Mm. Um, it was such an easy move and would show an instant result on um, congestion of traffic in cities. Uh, the, uh, it's just too easy, but they missed the very easy thing. Well, why and do you think? Is it because it's too easy, or is it because they are like a super tanker and they have set their course and they can't you know, veer from it in any way, shape, or form? Or why, why, why do you think they wouldn't? Because you're quite right. What, what was that? That was, that was going to cost $500 million every three months, right? So you could do that for one and a half billion, you get you all the way to the election. Yeah, well, they could have, um, but uh, they tackle some of the other uh, subjects and they're taking on the golden goose that's laying the egg to generate all this, the agriculture sector. They are moving forward quite fast. It's just not fast enough in their eyes and they are not basing everything on science. It's too much on uh, theory and uh, aspiration. It's an easy group to pick on because um, it's not a big voting block in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just charge ahead blindly on these uh, ideas. Uh, I, I, and you're quite right, and I haven't mentioned this as yet. The government has committed $710 million over four years through the Climate Emergency Response Fund to accelerate efforts to lower agricultural emissions, expand the contribution of forestry to reduce carbon, and produce alternative green fuels. 
So there's a little bit of money everywhere, isn't there? I mean, obviously, it's good to save the planet. Um, I think people have been wondering about the timing of it all, given that there are some, maybe some more important, well, not more important, more pressing, urgent issues. But you can't put off saving the planet. It's it's tricky. What do you think, Gary? But everything we do will be driven by how many emissions businesses, companies, farmers emit. And they're going to have to pay for it, which ultimately means we're going to have to pay for it. How is, how is that going to make the country any better right now? We're all trying. We're all trying to do our bit. And I would love somebody to explain to me why it's important. If you are one of those, if you perhaps you're younger, listening and thinking, oh, you old dinosaur, you've wrecked the world and... And now you want us to have to live with the damage. Tell me why it matters, why we are about to see a government produce a budget with fuel emissions at its very core. Why do we have to rearrange society when all that really matters is that you have a enough food on the table for the kids and that they're getting educated so that they have a chance to make a difference in the world. Why is it that this budget that we're all waiting for breathlessly has at its very core fuel emissions and the cutting thereof with MTCO2 when all I want to be able to do is know that I can feed the kids for a week. That's what matters, surely. The rest is ideological BS. From where I'm standing, tell me differently. Yeah, that, that's true, but I, I guess uh, some people are concerned with feeding kids in 40 years' time, 100 years' time. I guess that's where they're coming from, isn't it? Um, I, I, as I've always suggested, um, people can stop having kids altogether and then all these problems immediately go away. Uh, obviously, um, if we can just get everybody to take the bus, that's going to solve it, I think, is what we've been told. Does Kate Hawks, we think that's a good idea? You know, the problem I think, though, is chicken and egg. On the one hand, we do need more people to use public transport. And then when and if they do... It will get busier and more capable. It'll attract a wider variety of riders. It'll mean more people can be employed to police it, like monitors at stops or on board. It makes for a safer experience overall. But you need the numbers for that. And you don't get the numbers if, you know, parents are too scared to encourage their young kids onto the bus for fear they, you know, wind up front row at an incident like this one in Tauranga. Or when elderly people don't want to take the bus for the same reasons. Or when business people decide, you know what, it's just safer, simpler and more efficient to take the car. You know, we need to be thinking long and hard about how our public transport functions in this country. Because, you know, with Waka Kotahi flagging more major pushes away from cars and with the government bringing in congestion charges, it'll be a reality more of us have to consider. So how on earth do we make it good enough 
to warrant our patronage? Do we just support it and hope that by doing so, it eventually gets up and running smoothly? Or do the public transport providers make a bigger effort first to get it running smoothly? You know, I'm not sure which way around it goes, but I do know that as time marches on, it's something we just have to sort out. So uh, it's one of those podco- worrying podcasts today, things to worry about, isn't it? Um, and of all the things that we need to worry about, should we still be worried about sport? And by worrying about it, you know, like investing so much time and energy and attention to it? Quite a philosophical question that Marcus, everybody was in a bit of a philosophical mood yesterday, weren't they? But when you look at the whole world of it, you look at what it's about and what it achieves and you come away with the questions like, what are we trying to do and are we fulfilling it? Because so much of the headlines these days and so much of the fuss is all around sport, whether it be funding, whether it be medals, whether it be inappropriate relationships between coaches and performers or players or competitors, that seems to happen all the way now with stories coming across uh, around the world of more allegations and more examples of that. And it just makes me wonder where you are and what you think the value of sport is. I don't really get a huge uplift with the Olympics. I mean, I think it's good once in a while, but they're not sports kind of that. I mean, how many people have been to see a canoeing race? Next to no one. It's not a spectator sport, is it? It's probably not even a sport that many people do. And then you look at rowing. And then you look at cycling. All individual sports, well, individuals or teams of two or three or four. Um, And it's just kind of, I don't know, you wonder where the barrier of sport kind of pivots into the era of obsession. I used to be, I think I've talked about this before, I used to be a massive fan of sports, particularly things like rugby and cricket. And, um, and I used to watch a lot of it. And, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about it and going to it. And then it became less important as life went on, and I've actually found that to be quite liberating, not caring about it anymore. And spend my time caring about other things. But I guess if you've got nothing else to care about, it's good to have. I don't know. A lot of people injure themselves doing it too, don't they? And that's those are probably things that I don't know. Am I am, have I become anti sport? Is that what's happened? Marcus might have turned me around on this. I'm glad ZB. I'm going to have to go away and think about that. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB. It's the podcast that really makes you think. Sorry about that. Got a headache now like that? Yeah. 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 Um, we'll see you back here again tomorrow, hopefully, uh, with less tension around the temples.